0: And the last time I preached, which was several months ago now, we discussed Christ as the ransom. And today we're going to talk about Christ the victor. And um, to get our heads oriented towards Revelation, Revelation is an unveiling. It's, it's revealing things that would otherwise be hidden. God is pulling back the curtain on reality. Things hidden to us and showing us the way things really are. At the time Revelation was written, uh, the, the church was facing persecution. And it would for many decades afterwards. Some of it was sporadic and some of it was systematic. But varying levels of persecution for decades after revelation came and we don't there are many churches today that face physical persecution across the world still uh, in the United States we don't face the same physical persecution but we do see Christ and Christians being mocked in popular culture I mean you I, I was going to give some examples but you've seen it I'm sure um You know, maybe you feel like things are out of control, and maybe all generations since Revelation has been written have felt that. But today we're going to see the return of the King. Um, As a little bit of backdrop, Revelation sets up a number of contrasts. One contrast. And it's it's a theme through other places in the Bible as well. But one contrast is a theme of deliverance and destruction. God's people being delivered, his enemies being destroyed. You can see that in places like uh, like Israel being delivered from Egypt, his people crossing the Red Sea, his people rejoicing at their great deliverance. And Egypt, the oppressors, the people who mocked God, they faced plagues. And then as the Red Sea closes over Pharaoh's army, they are totally destroyed. The armies in opposition to God, totally destroyed. So these themes of deliverance and destruction. And we're going to see that today. Another contrast, before before I get there, judgment. We're going to see some judgment in this passage, and it's going to be jarring to us. And when you see it, I want you to keep a couple things in mind. The images of judgment are terrible, but I want you to remember that sin is also terrible. And we tend to gloss over it or rationalize our own sin, but sin is terrible. The other thing I want you to keep in mind is that if there is no judgment, if there is no justice at the end of all of this, then everything anyone does in this world is meaningless. If there are no consequence to anyone's actions, then it doesn't matter whether you love your neighbor or whether you violently abuse them, right? If there is no justice, no judgment in this world, then everything is meaningless. Okay, another contrast between what is holy and what is unholy. The lead-in to our passage, right before our passage takes place, there is, uh, John describes a great prostitute and she's clothed in luxurious purple and scarlet. And she's cast down in judgment. And as she's cast down, all the kings and all the merchants who were made rich from the great prostitute are mourning her mourning her demise. So, judgment of the great prostitute, mourning of all who were made rich from the great prostitute. You're going to see in our passage, there's a contrast to the great prostitute There's the bride of Christ. Okay, It's His church. His sanctified people for Himself. She is is presented to Him in sanctified form, in bright clothes, bright, pure linen. And we'll see the marriage supper of the Lamb where the saints are rejoicing at the marriage supper of the Lamb. See the destruction and the deliverance, the mourning and the rejoicing. And that's. we'll also see a contrast between Christ and the beast. The beast is the unholy version, the counterfeit of Christ who's led people astray. And we're going to see the contrast between the holy Christ and the unholy beast. Okay, that's our, that's our lead-in. If you would, please stand as we read Revelation chapter 19. We'll start in verse 6. Then I heard... What seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, You must not do that I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. On his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He's clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come! gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him and all the birds were gorged with their flesh. Amen. Please be seated. I've got three topics that we'll hit today. The first, and the one we'll spend the longest on, is Christ wins. The second is the tale of two suppers, and the third is the army in white. And the first point I want to make is Christ wins. Christians, hear that. I don't know how you feel about the way things are in the world, but here, Christ wins. He returns as the lion. When He entered Jerusalem during His earthly ministry, He rode in on a donkey, and we call that the triumphal entry. But I don't know how else to describe what we've just read than a triumphal entry. He enters now, not on a donkey, but on a white war horse, as a conquering king. I want you to hear the titles he's given. He's the one called Faithful and True. He's called the Word of God. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's not a king. He's the king of all the kings. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. He's not, he's not arbitrary. We're told and we can trust that His judgments here are righteous. Revelation uses symbols to convey a deeper reality. Sinclair Ferguson calls it a picture language. And there are pictures that aren't to be taken literally necessarily. For example, the sword. There's a sword coming from Christ's mouth, but I don't want you to picture... An actual sword, I want you to see that his weapon is his word. He speaks. He speaks, he is the word of God. He speaks. And that's his weapon, and that's all he needs. The other thing about these images, and that doesn't jump out to us because we're not as steeped in the Old Testament as the original audience would have been. But if you were going through these images, you would see these as being images from the Old Testament. Of the day of the Lord, the coming of His Messiah. And John is telling us, Christ is checking these boxes. He is all of these things. He has, he has the sword from His mouth, which is a reference to from Isaiah. Isaiah 49.2 says, He made my mouth like a sharp sword, describing the Messiah. It describes Christ as ruling the nations with a rod of iron. Psalm 2.9 says the, the Messiah, You shall break them with a rod of iron. Dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. The robe dipped in blood in chapter 13. You know, it could be, could be the blood of the Lamb who was slain. It could be the blood of His enemies. Verse 15, I think, gives us a clue. Verse 15 says that He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. That's a reference to Isaiah. I think I've got a slide up here, maybe from, from Isaiah 63. But Isaiah 63 describes the Lord's Day of Judgment. And this is, this is the, the question asked the question asked to, to the Messiah Why is your apparel red and your garments like his who treads the winepress? And the answer is, I have trodden the winepress alone. From the peoples, no one was with me. I trod them in my anger and trampled them in my wrath. Their lifeblood spattered on my garments and stained my apparel. It's, it's not a literal winepress, but it's an Im, image of the enemies of God being trampled, right? It's, and it's the, the day of the Lord that's proclaimed is coming. He's a sole warrior. And the robe is from the judgment of his entities. He returns as a conquering king. And you see he's at the head of his armies riding out in majesty and power and authority. And Christ's armies are following. And we see the beast, the counterfeit, riding out to meet him. And he's got... All of the armies that the earth can muster. The armies opposed to Christ. This this sets up, I don't know if you've seen the Lord of the Rings, like the battle scenes, but you see these huge, massive battle lines being drawn. Right? On, On a scale you can't really imagine. But massive battle lines between the armies of Christ and the army of the beast. And then you expect, what, you expect a huge battle, right? But that's not what we see. We don't see a huge battle. We see that the, the beast is immediately captured, right? He's immediately captured. There's no huge fight. The beast rides out and is summarily captured. And verse 21 tells us the rest, all the rest, were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of Christ. He speaks, and the beast's massive army is slain. This is not, you know, you you picture, you, you see Star Wars, and I love Star Wars, but you see Star Wars and they picture the light side and the dark side as being the opposite ends of a coin that are balanced and even and you hold your breath which one's going to win you know is the is the good guy the light side going to pull this out i don't know it's going to be a tough battle and we're going to hold our breath that's not what the battle is like here the battle is one sided we'll see in the, you'd see in the next chapter that satan is also captured not by christ himself but by an angel christ just sends an angel to go capture satan and throw him in the lake of fire. So these are not two equally you know equal foes against each other. This is one conqueror and it's not close. If If you don't believe in Christ, but you have you have you have read Scriptures, you have inquired who He is, and you just don't believe it. You just think all of it's, it's, it's false. That's, that's one thing. But if you haven't inquired as to who Christ is, and you're getting your information from South Park or Rick and Morty or some other comical picture of Christ, there is great peril in that. And if you're, if that's where you're getting your information, I would invite you to just inquire, inquire more. And this is what this is Christians. This is what we pray for. Thy kingdom come, Christ, bring your kingdom and set all things right. There is brokenness. Come, set all things right. And we're assured that Christ will return, and He is the victor. Okay, that's Christ wins. The tale of two suppers. We're presented with two suppers to which humanity is, fa- is heading. The first descri- described is the marriage supper of the Lamb. And at the marriage supper of the Lamb, there is great celebration. You know, the angel says, Blessed, blessed is he who is at the marriage supper of the Lamb. The church will be presented to Christ sanctified. We're flawed now. Our church is flawed. We are flawed. But we will be presented in sanctified form to Christ in great celebration. The contrast, though, is a very different type of feast. And this one's grotesque and gruesome. There is no celebration here. But the birds of God's enemies are invited to come and feast on the slain. And the ancient Near East may may not view the birds of prey in exactly the same way we do. This is is God's cleaning crew, nature's cleaning crew, coming in and cleaning the battlefield. But the people invited to that, it's everyone who's in opposition to Christ. The description in verse 18 it's the flesh of all men, both free and slave, great and small, top to bottom, right? Great down to the small, the highest and the lowest, everyone in between, food for birds. Two very different feasts. One beautiful, one grotesque. You know, there's, there's an exclusivity claim in the Gospel, right? I mean, you know, Christ says that He is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, all the other ways are going to lead to destruction. He is the way. There is an exclusivity, an exclusive claim. Lastly, the army in white. Everyone on Christ's side is in white. His army is clothed in white. I want to be in white. You want to be in white. You know, it's clear which side we want to be on. But the problem is, our garments are naturally dirty. Isaiah says, we have all become like one who is unclean, and our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Even our righteous deeds apart from Christ are like a polluted garment. What hope is there for us to be robed in white? John tells us earlier in Revelation, I have a slide, I think, for Revelation uh, chapter seven, verse, starting in verse 13. John sees people clothed in white, and the question is asked. Who are they? It says, then one of the elders addressed me, John, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes? And from where have they come? And I, John, said to him, Sir, you know, you, you know the answer to this. You tell me. And he said to me, These are the robes coming out of the great tribula- These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes. And made them white in the blood of the Lamb. We cannot get white garments apart from the blood of the Lamb, he who was slain for us. His shedding of his blood on the cross pays for us to be clothed in white garments. He suffered the judgment, the grotesque, the grotesque judgment. So that we might be received in glory in white garments. And I want you to see what the what the good guys are doing here. Christ slays the entire opposing army. Everyone else on his side is following them, following him. The folks in the white robes are following Him. And that is our charge. That is the charge of the believers. Follow Him, the one who is on the white horse. If you have put your trust in Christ to wash clean your robes, take comfort. He is the victor. Go follow Him. Stand behind Him. And I'm talking to myself too. Follow Him, right? Remember that. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, how confident are you that you're ro- ha- about how your robes are looking? We're told in Scripture that He is our only hope. And one better, we're also told that the gift He gives us to cleanse us is free. He invites us to come to Him to wash our robes in His blood. Come to Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have read here the the great and terrible day of the Lord. And it um, inspires us with awe Father, I pray that we would live each day knowing that Christ is the victory, is the Victor that his victory is sure, that we are also likewise assured victory in him. Father, may it be so for each of us. I pray these things in his name. Amen.